you would turn in your Bibles to uh, the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 8, and we're going to consider this chapter in its entirety, verses 1 through 36. And as you're turning there, the central point that I want us to take from this text is this, that we are to hear and to treasure the voice of God's wisdom so that the Lord will bless our lives through the beauty of the gospel. Hear and treasure God's voice, his call, his wisdom, so that he will bless our lives, that he will show us his favor, and that through the beauty of the person of Christ and his gospel. So let's see that worked out and unfolded in Proverbs chapter 8. Listen now to God's word. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. Fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence And I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, wisdom, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. The Lord possessed me wisdom at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up. At the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Don't neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me, finds life, 
and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Who am I? Who am I? At the age of 33, beginning in the year 1508, I worked for four years painstakingly, and I painted what would become one of uh, the most famous pieces of artwork in the world, certainly the Western world. Some of you know who I am already. Michelangelo. And what was the artwork? Uh, The ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Now, whether you have any background in art or not, if you see and look at the images and the pictures on the wall around the Sistine Chapel, you can recognize uh, the beauty there. It is clearly the work of a skilled craftsman. And when we consider our own lives, we may not see ourselves as something so beautiful. But Proverbs 8 is saying this to us, that the life of a believer, the life of a Christian, indeed the life of an entire church, is a canvas in which God is painting a picture that reflects the beauty of his character, uh, the beauty of the gospel. In the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the trials and the temptations that we go through and experience in life. Our lives are a canvas that God is painting a picture. Okay? And one of his primary tools to paint such a beautiful life, which through Proverbs, our Lord has expressed a desire to adorn his people. We sang, soul, adorn yourself with gladness. One of his primary tools to shape a beautiful life full of his grace and knowledge and hope is the tool of wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom is a tool like a paintbrush in the hand of God. And you see that very clearly in our text. This text really has four main sections, but you see it in the third section, beginning at verse 22 and following. Wisdom here is personified. Wisdom speaks And what does wisdom say? Verse 22, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up before the beginning of the earth, before the mountains had been shaped or the earth made. When he established the heavens, I, wisdom, was there. When he made the skies and he marked out the foundations of the earth, I was beside him like a master workman. I was daily his delight. Proverbs is bringing us back to Genesis chapter 1, to the creation story. And it is telling us that in the opening words of the Bible, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, that something, someone, was with the Lord. When he began to create, someone, something, was with him. And that something, or someone, was wisdom. Wisdom was with the Lord, like a tool in his hand. So that wisdom is God working and creating life and beauty. So when the Lord was giving shape to the earth and he was setting it on its axis, and he's creating the rivers and the oceans and the mountains and all their beauty, and creating the seasons of the year that we experience, all the vastness of the animal world and plant world, wisdom was his tool. So if we want to know what wisdom and God's wise 
beautiful ways look like, we simply need to look at creation. Look at creation. It is truly beautiful. Turn on the nature channel. There's a lot of nature channels uh, today that you can view, and it's really astonishing. These photographers must sit out in these remote places in the world for days and weeks to capture some of the images in film that we can see. Unbelievable images. Now you and I are living at a time where we can see up close through a screen, and sometimes I would just prefer it through a screen in some of these cases, uh, something like a beautiful Siberian tiger in eastern Russia. It's beautiful fur coat. Or the diversity of colorful birds and their diverse sounds in the Amazon rainforest. In Job chapter 12, verse 7, Job says, Ask the beasts, the animals, they will teach you. The birds, they will tell you. The fish of the sea will declare to you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? God's wise ways create life and diversity and beauty. That's what he does. And so this wise father here through Proverbs wants his sons to know this is a Lord, this is a God who works and he works wonderful things. He works beautiful things. And I think this is very practically important for us to know and remember. It's so easy to fall into a mindset that really defines our faith primarily by the things that we do, by the works that we do and accomplish, rather than first defining it by the works that God does and has done and continues to do. This is a God who continues to work. It's easy to view our faith journey as a kind of ongoing uh, self and home improvement project. This kind of constant burden, never measuring up, always needing to add more. It can become laborious in an unloving way. Well, it is true. God has prepared good works for us to do. Paul tells us that in Ephesians chapter 2. There is much work to be done. Service, works of mercy, compassion, the study of scripture, all kinds of works. Worship as a labor of love and service to the Lord. But Proverbs is reminding us that the more important work is the work of God. That he's working his wise ways in the lives of his people, in the life of his church. And this is what we hear in verse 22 and 30. The Lord possessed me, wisdom, at the beginning of his work. I, wisdom, was beside him like a master workman. God is at work And his wisdom is displayed in creation. But now the Lord not only wants to work his wise and wonderful ways in creation, but that work comes much nearer here in Proverbs 8 into our own lives personally. Which is why in the opening 11 verses, the first section of this chapter, wisdom is personified and cries out. To get the attention of people. Once again, Lady Wisdom raises her voice. In verse 1, does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? We heard Lady Wisdom before in the first chapter. Chapter 1, verse 20. 
where wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. We've probably heard it said that uh, one of the two things you never speak about uh, at work or in extended family reunions is religion. The other, of course, is politics. But not so for Lady Wisdom. Not so. She is not going to remain quiet even though her raised voice may be offensive to some. God's word and wise ways are not only for one's private consideration. Here she is, out in the public. Both in chapter 1 and in chapter 8 here, that is emphasized. That's what we hear. On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, beside the gates in front of the town. Right? She is in the public. She is at the crossroads, the intersection where business ha- is happening and education is taking place and entertainment and so on. She is crying out. And who is she speaking to? Really, she's talking to anyone who will listen. Anyone who will listen. In verse 4, To you, O men, I call, and to the children of man, and to the simple ones. We recall that the simple ones are those not firmly committed to the ways of God. They may be among God's covenant community. They're not fully committed. They may be simply going through the motions with the flow without a disciplined commitment to the things of God. Going with the flow, the simple ones. And Lady Wisdom not only speaks to them, but also to fools. In verse 5, O fools, learn sense. The fool is the one who expresses opposition to God. And through the book of Proverbs, there is an assumption that fools may even exist at times among the covenant community. We can probably all identify as fools at times, opposing uh, the teaching or the ways of God. The point is that our God in Jesus Christ desires to engage all kinds of people. But I want us to see one of the particular ways that God works his wise ways in the lives of his people. And that is through his calling to us and his calling upon us. Verse 1, does not wisdom call? And verse 4, to you, O men, I call. And throughout the Old Testament, the word calling has two main ideas. One is simply to get the attention of another person. We hear through the scriptures and through the Psalms, people calling out to God. We heard in Sunday school, Psalm 13, crying out, Lord, how long? Why, O Lord? Seeking to get the attention of the Lord. People will call out to one another. Uh, Even animals call out in Psalm 147. God provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. We may call one another on the phone and and grab someone's ear and attention for a period of time. To be sure, Lady Wisdom is doing at least that, seeking to get the attention of people to hear and to heed the word of God. But then there's a second meaning in this term call or calling. To call can also mean to name. 
to name something or to name someone is to make it or call it into being. In Genesis, when God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. He was not just labeling or hanging a name tag on these things. This calling was bringing something into existence. This calling was formational. Lady Wisdom is certainly calling and trying to grab people's attention, but in Wisdom's call and voice is the voice of Christ. Indeed, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is the wise counselor. He has the words of life. This is a call that becomes personal and redemptive and formational for those whom he saves. Remember a couple weeks ago, Pastor Brad was preaching on John chapter 10, that great chapter on Christ the Good Shepherd. And we heard those words in verse 3 of that chapter. When Jesus said, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. That is a call that not only gets one's attention, but takes them, owns them, forms them. That is a salvific, a personal, by name calling. We have an entire doctrine surrounding this concept. We call it effectual calling. In our catechism, it says, Effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit, whereby He convinces us of our sin and misery, enlightens our minds in the knowledge of Christ, renews our wills, and He persuades and enables us to embrace Christ offered freely to us in the gospel. That's packed with a lot of meet in that one statement. That call by which God convinces us of our sin, renews our, our mind, makes us understand the gospel, and brings us all the way home to him. That is a calling that is effective. It breaks through hard hearts and sin. And we as a church are by definition a people called. That's what the word church, ecclesia, means, called out ones. We are those called out. So we see the call of wisdom, but then we also see the value and the worth of this wisdom in verses 12 through 21. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. I find knowledge and discretion. I have insight and strength. By me, kings rule. Rulers decree what is just. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. We see very clearly the the value and worth of wisdom and how it shapes people, how it shapes godly people. A wise person is humble. They're not arrogant or prideful. A wise person reverences God. They have a fear for the Lord, a love for the Lord. They're discerning. They have strength. With wisdom is strength in the midst of hardship. They are effective in the lives of of other people. But I think the image in verse 19 is a, a very helpful one in seeing the worth of God's ways. He says, or she says, my fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield greater than choice silver. 
when God's calling and his wise ways are worked in a person, it yields something greater than gold, something greater than any material wealth or possession or comfort. And this agricultural picture is not only a helpful one, but relevant at this time. Um, Many of us probably have prepared gardens. We've begun planting seeds, plants. Those of you who do garden, I'm sure that when it comes time to harvest, you're not expecting your tomato plants to yield silver coins or your squash to be coated with gold. If your plants do yield that, come, speak with me. I want to know where you're getting your soil, okay? But notice here, the fruit of this, we- this wisdom yields something that is better than gold, better than choice silver. Walking in the path of God's word and wisdom not only forms a godly character, righteousness and Christ-likeness, but verse 35, whoever finds me, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. What is greater than knowing the favor of God upon your life, upon our lives? But it must be desired. It must be treasured in our hearts. Verse 17, I love those who love me, those who seek me diligently. Find me. Our God clearly wants the heart of his people. This is what Jesus taught us in the parable of the hidden treasure in in Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven, it's like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and he covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. A parable in, I think, one verse there that shows the extent to which one will go to ensure that they have this treasure. And it emphasizes the supreme value of the treasure. Life with the Lord. Life in his word. And then we finally see the blessedness of wisdom in those final verses of 32 to 36. Sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Blessed is the one who listens to me, for whoever finds me finds life and obtains God's favor. But he who fails to find me injures himself. I've mentioned, as Paul says in Colossians 2, in Jesus Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The wise life is not merely a moral one. It is a life in and with Jesus Christ. John, the apostle, says in 1 John 5, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. There's those with Christ. There's those without Christ. There's those with true, meaningful, everlasting life. And there's those without. The irony is that if a person seeks to protect themselves from the Lord not wanting to respond to his call, what ends up happening? They actually end up injuring themselves. We've probably all experienced that, even in our faith journey. Sort of rejecting something that the Lord is seeking to work in us. So we want to go down a different path. But verse 36 says, He who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. 
Yet for those of us in Jesus Christ, the Lord loves us more than we love ourselves. That's why wisdom speaks up so loudly. He wants more for us than we could ever desire for ourselves. He wants to bless us. He wants to show us his favor and his grace. To grant us growth in godliness, effectiveness in the lives of other people, the assurance of his love toward us in Jesus Christ. And the way to that is humility. Fearing the Lord. Opening one's life to his voice, to his word, to his calling. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for both the clarity and and the power of your word. We pray with thanks, Lord, for your wise ways that you work in us. uh, How you bring together both um, in the midst of the brokenness of our lives and the trials of our lives, the sufferings that we go through, how you display the wonder and the beauty and the glory of Christ and his gospel of redeeming love for us. We thank you, O Lord, that you have pursued us uh, even to that point of the cross, pouring yourself out for us that you might atone for our sins, that we might be engrafted into your family. Would you, by your grace, continue to be at work, in a sense, beautifying our lives, that they would reflect um, the glory and beauty of Jesus Christ. Do that work, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.